Welcome to Old Town New World. We're here in the Revan studio in downtown Rock Hill. I'm Jason Broadwater. I'm Chris Gervais. And this is uh, us talking about the ever-changing world of Small Town USA. Boy, too much ice. Let's go on the show. Let's see. Today with us, we of course have uh, behind the mic, silent behind the beer, Micah. How are you, behind the beer, Micah? And behind the beard, behind the beard, Micah. How are you, behind the oh? So what? Can you speak up? Oh, I didn't hear you. Sorry. That's the name of his book, Behind the Beard. Behind the beard. It's a it's a look behind the beard. Chris, how are you? Pretty good. Good. You look handsome. Thank you. Like a shirt. Oh, cool. I've, this is one of like three shirts I have, so I'm glad. <laughs> <laughs> is it? Uh, can you flip it inside out and wear it? Is it like yeah. reversible? Yes. And our actual guest, uh, Slade Baird. How you doing, Slade? <laughs> I'm doing very well. Thank you. Welcome to the podcast. Uh, so Slade is a friend of ours, um, and Slade has been in uh, a lot of bands. Uh, he is a videographer, editor, uh, freelancer, a... Uh, recently non-nine-to-fiver, uh, and we're going to talk about all of this, the world of freelancing, the world of music, and uh, why in the world you're in Rock Hill. So let's start with that. How in the world did you get in Rock Hill? <laughs> uh, well, I grew up here. Okay. Um, I am a, um, you know, well, I was actually born in Gastonia, oh. um, but, uh, but I'm a clover person. Okay. Like a lifer. Clover, <laughs> clover lifer. person. Yeah. Yeah, you know, my uh, wife is the counselor at Bethany Elementary School out in Clover. Okay, cool, yeah. Yeah, so we've become more and more familiar with the Bethany, I mean, with the Clover community because that, like, my son's at Clover Middle, and he's in the band, and so, you know, we know all the Clover, starting to know the Clover families and all that kind of stuff. All the Cloverians? The Cloverians, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So did you graduate from Clover High School? I did. Was the Coraliers a thing back then? It was, yeah. That He, so... Uh, Jay Forrest okay. um, is like, you know, the dude that okay. that started that. And he was a, um, he, he came to um, to uh, Clover, like back then in the 90s. In the 90s. Uh, and, so was uh, this, that was before High School Musical. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, my point is, like, how did he, because there seems to be this whole, like, Zac Efron thing in Clover where... You can be on the basketball team or the Coraliers, and either one's cool. And <laughs> when I grew up, like being part of a singing troupe was not cool. You know what I mean? Like, how did that get cool? Well, um, I don't want to insinuate that it had anything to do with me. <laughs> <laughs> so I stopped there. <laughs> Although you did start the Clover chapter of the Zach Efron fan club. <laughs> um, but no, he, he kind of came in with a, uh, with a vision. He, he was, um, he was, he was, um, I mean, the chorus was like just a chorus. Right. You yeah. know, but before, uh, before he got there and he kind of came, I think it was his first year that he was there. He was just like, we're going to have a show choir and we're going to go compete and do like cool stuff. And it was kind of like, and we're going to take trips and people yeah. were like, like say I'm no in. more. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, yeah. That's great, man. I think it's, I think it's great, you know, that you have, uh, cause you know, it, I mean, I remember the, I was on the tail end of what would have probably been the most cliched version of high school you know like the i mean I, 
the the cheerleaders and the mm-hmm. football players and the you know and then and now I seem to see and maybe I'm wrong but that the the clicks seem to mix together better or something and I don't know if that's just in my mind from my distance but what do you think I know I mean that makes sense I mean I I w- I'm not very far removed from what you experienced um it it wasn't straight up like footloose there wasn't right. Kevin Bacon <laughs> <laughs> but um I mean there were definitely like yeah there were like whatever the rich kids and then the hillbillies and then the like <laughs> art kids right, you know yeah. i mean it was pretty defined and i guess that's still there i mean i guess cl- clicks like that will always be there but yeah know. but it seems like i don't know in, in uh 21 jump street in the 21 <laughs> jump street reboot they yeah. made a big joke about how after the millennium or whatever like this massive cultural change in high school. So I, I have to trust the 21 Jump Street, I guess. Right, I mean, that is basically... We yeah. just missed it. Yeah, yeah I know. Yeah. In so many ways. We could have had so many more friends if we would have just been nice to people. And <laughs> when did you graduate high school? Uh, like, 96. 96, yeah. okay. I graduated in 94. Okay, cool, yeah. So we're in the same kind of generation, so to speak. So you went on uh, to continue to pursue music, um, and you, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get to where you are now because you got a lot of exciting things going on in music, uh, with Amigo in particular. But, um, what did you do after high school? Did you go to college or what did you do? Yeah, I went to, uh, I graduated from USC. Okay. Um, it, with a media, media arts degree. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, um, and that's where you say like, that's videography and graphic design or what is that? Yeah. Well, the, it's, <laughs> they kind of just like, um, show you some tricks and then <laughs> they're like you're free and they they set you out in the world and uh and then you end up doing something completely different okay yeah ever right <laughs> that makes sense but yeah. yeah i did a lot of photography and uh and videography and editing and stuff oh okay and you you do that i mean you've done that over the years as a career as well right yes so tell me about that. Is it freelance? You have your own business, or do you do it for somebody else? Or what else to do? Yeah, I freelance, and I have a handful of clients, and um, and I've been doing it for about five years. Um, I lived, I lived in uh, Philadelphia for about three years. Okay. Um, I got tricked into moving there. <laughs> and um, There wasn't a woman involved in this. It was, it was a wife. Oh, it was a wife. <laughs> wow. And uh, so... And boy, what did her husband think? Of? <laughs> 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 if only the story were, were that way. Um, no, uh, so I moved up there and uh, and I got a job like working for a, um, for like a company. It was like a pharmaceutical. It was like the oh. most boring job. But... But you took pills all day yeah. <laughs> sorry I'm just kidding again your stories are way better than mine um and nothing to do with the company <laughs> but everybody in uh in in the video it was a huge video department there were like 12 plus people um like all making like these videos where they'd have people come in who had like either very serious mental disorders or people who had kind of like minimal like problems, but they got them to act like they had. I was gonna make sure. <laughs> yeah, I thought you for a second that you were gonna be like either people who had serious mental problems or people who were just jerks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there and were so some you of those. Would film them. You would film them. Um, pretending like they had yeah, serious mental problems. Yes. Well, so there would be like an actual <laughs> like like clinician, like you know, psychologist that would be there. Um, or psychiatrist or whatever, like, like giving them like these, um, 
they're not tests, but they're they're like um, like a rating scale for like so like they're in the other symptoms. room and you're shocking them. You're turning the yeah. knob and shocking <laughs> them, and they're screaming. I got you. I'm with you. Keep going. Yeah, it was just it was a lot like that. Um, but uh, but yeah, so we uh, we would make these videos of of like these you know people, and then we would sell them to pharmaceutical companies and they, oh, okay. you know, they, they would measure, they would, well, actually it would train. I don't want to talk about it cause it's just so boring. Right. But the, <laughs> the thing it doesn't sound the, boring. The, it doesn't the, sound boring at all. The, the only cool thing about the job was that everybody that I worked with had like master's degrees from Temple university, which has a pretty serious experimental and documentary film program. Oh wow. So there are all these like, like smart people who, also are into like all the same stuff that I'm into. Right. And so, you know, we had like, when we weren't like acting like we were working while we were really like surfing the internet, <laughs> yeah. we, we were having like, um, we had movie, like a movie club, like where we yeah. like all like, you know, watch a, like the same movie and then we, or we get together and watch the movie and then we'd like discuss it and stuff yeah, and that's drink great. beer. And, and um, so it was you know, cool. Finding like minds and creative folks within the work environment is so important. I mean, you look at the amount of folks nowadays that have side projects that they do that often include people that they work with, whether mm-hmm. they're in a band with some of the guys they work with, whether they're doing podcasts or girls, yeah. Guys being an indiscriminate term that could be applied to either sex. <laughs> um, <clears throat> like, hey, guys. Um, kind of thing. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, um, you know, the, or, you know, make a movie, you know, making a movie with somebody, making an album, all that kind of stuff. So as you were doing this work in Philly, as you were married and moving up there and kicking off the kind of career, were you in, in bands at this point? So I wasn't really any good at playing music. I mean, I've been playing guitar for a long time, for like probably 15 years or so at that point. Right. Um, but, like my favorite band getting started was the Ramones. And so I never really learned how to play right, <laughs> guitar. Yeah. You know, I learned yeah. like power chords. Out of and, principle. And I, right? I, I could play them real fast. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Go. But, um, but you learned about key changes. <laughs> I did so learn some yeah. uh, modulation. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, so, uh, but while I was up there, um, a little, uh, little, um, you know, thing that happened was that I got divorced. Right. <laughs> and so I had all this free time on my hands. Like after, you know, work, I'd come home and, uh, and I was like, well, what do I do now? So I started taking guitar lessons and I started like, like playing guitar like all night long. And, um, and so I got like pretty okay. But then when I went out and tried to join bands in Philly, um, they were like super skeptical of this dude with like a big beard. Mm-hmm. It, like I totally kind of threw them off with um, what I call my vibe, <laughs> but, <laughs> but they just thought it was my weirdness. Um, <laughs> it's called other people call it crack. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I, I like weirded out some twenty somethings with uh, with you know how cool I was. Right. <laughs> they'll, learn, they'll find out someday. That to me all the time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so did you not look like the genre of music that they played? Yeah, I tried to join a punk rock band. Okay, but you looked like a hippie? But I looked like Jerry Garcia. Gotcha, yeah. 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 With a leather jacket. Okay, well, you know, he, he might have ridden a motorcycle once or twice. I well, know. I pulled the leather jacket out of the closet because I was like, well, it's a punk band. Yeah, like, right, I better wear my leather jacket. <laughs> <laughs> they weren't fooled, though. That's hilarious, yeah. dude. Maybe if it would have been a leather vest. <laughs> Really, you, you could have tried either, really. 
or just the sleeves. You, you never know. <laughs> you never know. <laughs> so, um, so you were rejected by mediocre bands, mediocre punk bands in Philly. Mm-hmm. Um, did you start your own band up there, or did that happen as you came back? So part of the reason that I came back was that um, that I knew some people that wanted to start a band, and okay. so we were kind of talking about it remotely, and um, and and so that was like that kind of fueled the uh, the fire to right. to you know move back down here. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, which started is, a band with friends, right? Which is you know something I think that most people need when you move back to an area that's not moving back to a big city or maybe it's that way in the big city I just can't relate to that but like like when when I grew up around here and you can probably relate to this I'm guessing but when I grew up around here it was almost like if you don't get out of here you failed in some way and if you end up back here like again what's wrong with you like why did you fail <laughs> so much you know what I mean and it, and and I had that in my head so when I left I was like dude I'm I'm gone you know and then um my wife and I were living in Ash when we had our first child. And it's when it first started to dawn on me that, like, to create the life I want to create, I have more reason, opportunity, and desire to create that back in the place where I'm from. But I still, like, had to kind of deal with and process those stigma, stigma, stigma. Stigmata. Stigmata. You had stigmata. <laughs> the bleeding holes <laughs> were a problem. I'll stop with that. But um, the idea that there is stigma around um, moving back to uh, your hometown is something I know that I had to deal with. And Chris, I mean, you know, I would have guessed your experience uh, of leaving coming back similar. Yeah, I mean, def- I always, had, I grew up, anyone that I was ever close to like growing up or as a teenager and right after high school, that was like, Everyone talked about that. All of us who are still here, they all talked about how they have to get out. Right. And then they did. And then now they, like, you regard the people who don't get out of their hometown, like you said, as losers. And, and like, I've talked to people that are from one big city, and they even those people feel like they had to move to a different big city. Just to get out. Yeah, just to prove that they could or whatever, you know. Yeah. But, yeah. So, I mean, so, Slade, did you, you share that experience? Oh, God, yeah. 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 I mean, I was... I, I, I like looked at graduating. I mean, honestly, if I look back, I I don't know. We better not talk about that. I'm gonna like advocate for like dropping out of high school and like running away. But that's okay. But when? But that's actually but, very like Silicon Valley like millennial hip <laughs> thing to talk about. <laughs> and then get rich. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. be famous. Yeah. But when I was in uh, in in high school, you know, I would like couldn't wait for like you know for it to be over, and I was like, yeah, I'm leaving, like never never coming back, and um and I was sort of like on track with that plan, except that I'd always missed home when I would go away when I was in college. Like I came back and visited all the time, and um and You're close to your parents, your family, or- yeah, family yeah. and and friends that stayed here, yeah. and um and a lot of people I went to college with were from here anyway. Right. So yeah. when we come home for holidays, we'd have like the best times. Yeah, of course. At home. Yeah. And so, um, so yeah, when I like got done with college, I got a job in Charlotte, and so and and thought, man, Charlotte's super cool. I'm gonna stay here forever. And like yeah. started playing music and made some like really really um, good friends that I kind of even knew at the time were gonna be friends like for the rest of my life. And this is before Philly. This yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, um, and so, um, so yeah. And, uh, 
but then, so I didn't want to leave when she wanted to move. She was from there. Oh, gotcha. And so she was going home. So she was going home for sure. With her, yeah. 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 And um, and so uh, went up went up there and um, and started working. And I made some like some good friends at work. Yeah. Um, and and so um, but it was you know they were work friends, which is can be a different thing because it's like all these different people from all these different places that are in like perhaps a different stage or point in life right um that you're in so like i didn't really find any like total weirdos that wanted to um you know be crazy and like kill ourselves a little bit right (laughs) on nights and weekends well any job where you frequently walk by people yeah and you like don't want to just not you know not acknowledge that they exist but you uh don't have anything else to say yeah, to them? Yeah, I mean, yeah, you've yeah. already walked by them like ten times. Yeah, 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 yeah. You have to do something like that. Like, still at it. Yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah, I yeah. Actually, yeah. Gosh, yeah. Sorry, I worked at a particular retail place, but that was all that any of us said to each other was that right. stuff, and it drew, drove me crazy. That's terrible. It is yeah. maddening. Um, that's actually not the experience that I had, though. I don't want to paint. That, I know you worked at an actual picture. cool place. The, the, <laughs> it was not cool, but the people that I worked with were actually like I'm, I like made some like very like dear friends there, which is like rarely the case, right? Yeah, and yeah. this is back to the place in Philly where yeah. you were doing the you were videoing slightly struggling people, pretending like they were greatly struggling people. A lot of the time, <clears throat> okay, yes. Wow. Um, yeah, See, there I, were there were some sad ones. There were there were like okay. some very special episodes where, <laughs> where wow. the, there were yeah there there were people that were very sad and wow. it was hard to hard to you know Goodness, edit. Yeah. I bet man. Yeah. So as you've uh, you mentioned before, I think before we start before we turn the mics on, I don't remember now, but that you've um, just recently uh, you were in what Durham doing video editing. Uh, um. Oh, I, I spent the past few weeks in Boone. In Boone, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah up in the mountains. That's cool. Yeah, doing um, and and this is after you just recently left another kind of go at a, I don't know if it's nine to five, but at kind of a regular job. I thought that if I took a full time job for a year, that um, that I could you know save my monies, <laughs> right, <laughs> and uh, and when we were done with our record. That um, you know, I could quit and we could go um, on tour yeah. and um, and you know do like a big national tour and be on the road a lot of next year. That's been the plan since we you know started scheming making gotcha. a record, and um, and so I was settling in to be able to do that (laughs) and uh and it was not a bad like job as jobs go it was like totally cool um but uh i i got dragged you know kind of uh enticed back into the freelance world i I was um, well is it about going and having experiences is that what's enticing to you yeah yeah the the just um like seizing an opportunity when it's like staring you in the face. I'm yeah. terrified of of passing up, like missing out on um, something that I'll never forget or something that right. could possibly change my life. So mm-hmm. experience is probably your main motivation at this point in your life. Yeah. Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah, yeah. I want adventure. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Okay, so let's get to kind of the big thing that you have going on in your life, and it is Amigo, right? I mean, that's your focus right now. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's old number one. 
All right. So tell us about the band. So uh, just like a general kind of rundown. Yeah, man, whatever you th- or if you want to start with what people wear, that's fine. <laughs> you, you decide. <laughs> I wear a lot of button-down shirts. Okay, good. Um, yeah. Do they jeans. button up? Um, sorry, sorry. I, I mean, it depends on how you put a shirt <laughs> on. <appropriate>. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you how to, how to live your life. <laughs> You're looking for an experience, you try that. Huh? Huh? <laughs> I'll tell you that. <laughs> um, yeah, we are a, uh, we have been described as a uh, honky tonk dance band with a punk rock heart. And that's I, actually know, my favorite description. I think that's, I think that's pretty dead on, man, because I, you know, I've, I've obviously know your band and know the sound, and I can relate to that. I could too when yeah, I read right. it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So there's like there's always like um, whenever uh, because a big part of like making music and like playing you know the like small club scene around is um, you know it's always like uh, you're always trying to get like in like the local paper and stuff, mm-hmm. right? Like get people to talk about it because hopefully you know you're gonna reach a bigger audience. People are gonna come to the show, and um, and so uh, we're playing in in Columbia coming up. And when is that? And well, tomorrow, but oh. it won't be tomorrow anymore. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's true. I assume um, we're playing in Columbia last week. Tomorrow never yeah. comes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so. Um, but we got a, a surprise write up uh, for like this like after party we're playing. So they have a thing every week like when where um, they have like some like you know kind of bigger bands and they put like a cool local. Um, is this the free, on in five free press points. or is this the and it's, yeah the free times? Oh, free times, yeah. Um, and so uh, so there's this like like you know live after five or like so you know they have yeah. like a like a weekly kicks event. after six. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we are because we're yeah. the after party. Okay, and uh, and so, but anyway, at the the Taps Art Center, like they put on like, this music series, and uh, and there's this uh, new venue called the Infinite Room um, that's in in this like art gallery. Um, Is it really big? And, yeah. And, I haven't even never been there before. <laughs> is it really damn big? <laughs> I mean, if, like, does it just go on and on? And if on? it doesn't, I would, and I went, I would be so furious. <laughs> I would be, I would be asking to speak to the manager. <laughs> <laughs> um. So anyway, we got a write up. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Sorry, yeah, that's yeah. good. We force you into awkward segues. You have yeah, no yeah, idea yeah. what to do at this point. I'm okay Just with this. Talking. I'm I'm fine with this. <laughs> I'm following up a little bit. Um so uh so anyway, we're in the in the free times and uh but nobody ever mentions you um and and gives an idea of your sound mm-hmm. by um naming like name dropping bands that you actually like right right yeah. it's always like some garbage that You're like, like oh there's, man crap yeah we don't yeah that's yeah, not yeah, yeah we don't sound like poco right <laughs> um we've gotten that before have you gotten jayhawks uh, before uh i hope so uh, that's the first thing that came <laughs> to my mind and i hate to use another band to describe a band because it's always like it comes across like i'm saying you're trying to imitate this band that's not at all what i'm saying of course it just when I, as soon as I heard y'all, it just struck me like the Jayhawks. And I like the Jayhawks a lot. Yeah, I love the Jayhawks. The Jayhawks are like in my top five favorite oh, wow. bands of all well, time. Yeah, yeah. They are, uh, they are most excellent. And um, 
we every once in a while somebody will mention them, but the the uh, this particular one, he was he said uh, they are like honky tonk Americana in the vein of um, of uh, Graham Parsons and Neil Young, and I'm like, oh okay, yeah. and he says, but they also have a jam Econo ethos that also puts cool. them in the ballpark of the Minutemen and Pavement. Man, what? That's awesome. And I was like, cool. man, awesome. if I had paid you <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. yeah, to write yeah. this, it yeah. wouldn't have yeah. been better. Wow, that's great. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think people now definitely have a feel for your sound. I mean, and you've already, you guys already have out an album. One, yes. One album, right? We have one album, and I believe we put a single up on iTunes okay. and, and Bandcamp and all that. Um, and we have a split 7-inch with the uh, long canes. From, like a vinyl 7-inch? Um, it it's about to be delivered to our door Dude, like next week. That's cool. awesome. I hadn't seen a new seven inch in a while. Yeah, very it cool. took about six months. Oh wow, for it to be pressed and delivered. Oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, very cool, man. So okay, so in terms of where people could go and access your music very quickly, i.e., the internet, um, you're on Spotify, you're on iTunes, right? Yep, all that. And Amigo, you got the album, you got uh, the other EP you mentioned. Mm-hmm. What about right. Netscape? What we're are, we're uh, available on Netscape. Do you have? Uh, <laughs> is your what is your GeoCities page? <laughs> GeoCities at AOL dot com. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. But you can only get it on one of those free discs they send you. Yeah. So <laughs> keep a lookout. I think people actually still have AOL addresses. I think it's actually still a thing, or at least it was. Oh yeah, yeah. Some people recently. do. Yeah. And the guy that I bought punk rock records from in high school like like the mail order distro Mm -hmm. there was a a place called underground medicine and the guys and he's still in business still selling punk rock records through the mail and um his his address is still (laughs) umedpunk at aol.com i always love that when people that are like still have email addresses and stuff like from the 90s and stuff like there's there's a movie site called ain't it cool news which was like the first oh, yeah. movie site, like Harry Knowles, the, the Texas movie. Well, I don't even know if he's a critic. He's just a movie nerd. I think he broke the um, the Human Centipede. Yeah, yeah. If yeah, I'm not yeah. mistaken. Yeah, he's. I mean, he was. He was like the first person to talk about the Star Wars prequels and stuff or whatever. I honestly don't think that their website has changed a, a pixel and since the <laughs> mid '90s. That's no joke, man. I mean, that you go to his website now, Ain't It Cool News is still the same. And it's haven't, cool again now. Yeah, point. now it's back around. Yeah, but right. in twenty in twenty years, Ain't It Cool News hasn't changed a thing. That's cool. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> sort of. It's insane. Yeah. Kind of. I like that. Yeah, I like yeah. things that you can count on. Like, um, like one of the things that like really stands out that that I've known all all my life that like like will never change. I don't even read it anymore. I just think it's like great that it's still there. But Maximum Rock and Roll is still oh, yeah. on newsprint. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. It still makes your hands smell funny. You know what's yeah. funny? When I um was fourteen, you know, twelve to seventeen, I got that every month and I read it like crazy. Yeah, and um. There was a dude that came and did some work at our house. Like, I don't even remember what he did. Worked on the roof or something. I don't know, whatever. Just kind of a, a dude came up in a truck and did some work. Um, he, Jason, I don't think that was a good thing. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, this was all sanctioned and okay. But um, he saw the, uh, and I wasn't there, but he saw the MRR stack of MRRs in my room. And he told my mom, he's like, oh my gosh, I got something that your son's going to really dig. And he brought, 
like four MRRs from like, you know, oh, years man. before. Awesome. <laughs> and this was back, I mean, you know, I graduated, this was in like the late 80s, early 90s. And he's bringing me what I saw as like ancient MRRs. Yeah. I don't even know when they started, but. That is very cool. Yeah, man. And the fact that it's still going on, I mean, that's, that's awesome. awesome. Yeah, that's so cool that that in that kind of situation you're talking about continues to happen. Like oh, generations yeah. that get to like, especially that. And it's funny that gosh, you could almost argue now that fringe culture isn't even a thing anymore because of the internet. Because like, of the internet, yeah, yeah the totally. idea that that you have a mainstream and then you have all these subcultures under it. It's it's all kind of blended up now, but there still persists the feeling of like when you find someone like that's of an older generation or whatever into the same things you are like that that's still an amazing feeling yeah i imagine for kids i had a guy he's a little bit older but he's still like the most enthusiastic like patron of the milestone Mm -hmm. like this dude like goes to like he i think he particularly kind of likes hardcore stuff Mm -hmm. um but um he had like a pile of trouser press magazines from the 80s i guess wow and um he uh he gave me like a like a stack of them that uh had like one of them has like the modern lovers in it and oh, one wow. of them has um has like the police are on the cover cool. but it's man i remember we i was so you know enamored with mrr and it's where i kind of like defined my uh famous people my and the coolest thing about punk of course growing up was that like you know we would open for our favorite bands in the world yeah. versus going to Blockbuster Palladium for our favorite bands where there's yeah. like, you know, t- uh, you know 100,000 people and that's your favorite band. Like my favorite band, we would eat with them at the Waffle House and uh-huh. we would go and open, with them, <laughs> yeah. open for them at the Milestone, Absolutely. you know, when I was, you know, 14. And so that was so cool. And so uh, we finally got a review in MRR and we were so excited, so happy. And it was a terrible review. Oh, we got, we got a crap review too. Did you, you didn't care? Yeah. That's awesome. So of course, what we did, it true, just you know, sarcastic style, is we we put it in the insert of our next record. Yeah, nice. that's awesome. <laughs> that is really awesome. <laughs> Good idea. That's cool. Yeah, yeah so. it's funny that playing punk music or playing like in in small bands and stuff, it really kind of ruins you to like live music outside of that. Because I right. found because I didn't know, I just didn't sort of catch on that throughout my 20s I was in bands or I was going to see bands that were smaller in small punk clubs where you're right up in front of them yeah, and it's very real and very visceral and, and it's a real experience that you have right in front of people and I can't get any enjoyment out of going to a big stadium when show they're so whatever. far away and you're looking at the tv and you're yeah. like wow i could be at home watching this i know exactly yeah, <laughs> yeah. but you walk in and you like you say hey to the people that like work there because you're friends with them you know they're like you you know everybody as opposed to like you go see like social uh, we went to see social distortion at the fillmore and yeah, it's like yeah. you've got these like fat ass bouncers that are like yeah. you know just not even like don't even care. They just look through you, you know. Yeah, right, yeah. Um, yeah, that's. I always wonder about them. I always want to write stories about those people because I always like. I, they're so interesting and weird to me that they stare dead out into the audience and they see band after band every night. But they don't always, look at the band. Yeah, it's just and I always a job. wonder what's going through their heads a lot of times. You know, and it was very interesting. That's a very interesting person to me, in the for because of what you're saying. So therefore, it's like I don't know what is that person experiencing. Yeah. Or the, or the bartenders at those yeah. places. Yeah. Just vapid. Just yeah. like the worst people that you will never encounter in another situation in your life. Yeah. And like, well, I then hate... they're probably just over 
yeah. you and like everything about all the people in this place. Yeah. Because it's just rapid fire, yelling, trying to, everybody's leaning over each other, trying to get a drink. It's yeah. so yeah, awful. You yeah, know what I mean? Guys, I and they're $10. Yeah, right. Oh my God. Yeah. $10, like, yeah. I don't, I, I honestly, I never seek to be elitist or, or anything about something or be too cool or hip about something or whatever. But when it comes to that kind of situation, I mean, I, I couldn't help it that, like I said, I grew up going to shows where it was, you were right there with people. And also like, no matter how aggressive the music was, there was always a sense of community and there was always a sense of like love yeah. amongst the people there, even when you didn't know each other. And when you go to a more mainstream a show where there's more mainstream people there, that like love and, and community doesn't, you don't feel it at all. And you yeah. just feel this competition. And it's well, you know, really it's weird. funny, man, to go back to your comment about you looking like Jerry Garcia. Um, I had the fortune of, uh, though as a punk rock kid growing up, we, we, uh, it was my duty and responsibility to hate the Grateful Dead. Uh, <laughs> I, I later learned to appreciate some of the, the things that they brought to the table. Um, but I went, I was fortunate enough to go to the, a show in the last tour that, that Jerry Garcia was alive and the Grateful Dead. It was my only show with them. And then right after that, there was kind of that void. And then that was right when Fish was starting to explode in this part of the country. And so it, everybody had this kind of feeling that it was kind of replacing that to a certain extent. But I got to experience the difference between those two scenes, man. And like, and, and the Grateful Dead, it really did, it was a palpable, striking experience the love and community in that place. Hmm. And the fish experience was so the opposite. It was, really? it was, it was, it felt like just a lot of just debauchery for, for the crass side of debauchery. Mm -hmm. just, just like litter and just, you know, people like not looking out for each other at all and just like arrogance. And it was, it was a lot of, you know, just like, college kids yeah. taking their kind of hippie break, well, you know what I mean, to do that, you know? I would say some of that comes from, because I think Jerry Garcia was an amazing songwriter. I think yeah. you remove the Grateful Dead thing, right. and you still have an amazing artist, right. you know? Um, oh, just listen to the records. Like right, absolutely. American yeah. Beauty and Working Man's Dead. Yeah. Like, those are classic American Absolutely. Records. They really are, and, yeah. And when, but when they, they had the following that they had, it creates a an entity that is almost unrelated to the band, the Grateful right. Dead. Oh yeah, absolutely. quote unquote, the Grateful yeah. Dead, and it's it's almost gotten like like you could you could take someone who's who somehow magically had never heard of the Grateful Dead and show them a Grateful Dead album, and they're going to have a one hundred percent different experience from the person who grows up hearing about what the Grateful Dead is, right, and right, follow right, them right, and stuff. Yeah. And I'd say so. There's that when it comes to that kind of thing, a second generation inevitably is going to be bought into that phony idea versus the thing that. There, there's no like bought into cream or in the rejecting center. bought into or rejecting, or rejecting. The phony idea. exactly yeah, yeah no I hear you and that's what I experienced with fish it was like everybody was trying thinking they're recreating something from the past but it was from my experience it was hollow and crass and kind of gross and it just wasn't well and the music's like too proud of itself too right, like yeah. it's not yeah. particularly listenable no I hear you and I and I enjoyed some of their stuff for a little while again it was energy it was I was I was living in Asheville we went so it was like you were you were draped in it you know what I mean so it's like <laughs> yeah and the shows were fun and people were partying and but it was just about partying mm -hmm. it wasn't about kind of and it, you know you know I sound like the ultimate hippie in saying this but it wasn't about like an experience that takes you to a higher level it was just about partying mm -hmm. that's all it was you know what I mean very different kind of thing so um 
you know, when you guys play Amigo, y'all are usually playing in, uh, I would imagine if you're headlining, whatever, they're usually in smaller venues. But I, but I imagine you've played some shows in larger venues. What's the difference from the band's perspective, from the stage? Um, the uh, smaller venues are like almost always, you know, you got the inti- the same intimacy that you experience when you see a band in a small club. The band it's is feeling. feeling. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. In a bigger place, um, there are usually like a little more, um, you know, incentives like to play there. Like you got like a green room that you can go chill <laughs> right, out. Yeah. But you heart like unless you're heartless, like you don't want to just go chill out. You know, if you got yeah. friends there, like mm-hmm. you want to hang out with them. So, um, so yeah, like uh, small places are almost always better experiences. Hmm. They just feel more like home. But what about when you're in a big place and it has just that sound? You're like, oh mm-hmm. my! You hear you like strum your own guitar and you go, oh my <laughs> god, that yeah, sounds crazy, so good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. does that that feel good up there? It it does, but but then a lot of like bigger. I mean, especially like like kind of you know medium sized clubs like that can work against them. Like the the like more space can work against them as far as like what you're getting. Like you know if you like. Strum, or the the kick drum, um, like this is a big place. We got big speakers. Oh, we like, should utilize big this. Kick drum, yeah. So um, so yeah. A lot of times, like you're kind of fighting like mm-hmm. like the monster sound when like you're really just this little band and like you just want yeah. You want a good sound. Get the man. job done. I mean, I, and I've played in places where uh, I've only played in, in what I would call bigger places a couple of times, and we had that same experience. And it was uh, basically like it. What it ultimately comes down to is that a good sound guy mm-hmm. will understand your sound as a band and will make that sound good mm-hmm. in whatever venue that you're in with the equipment that you know you have to work with. Um, a bad sound guy wants to show off their equipment, man, and they <laughs> yeah. want to, you know, if they got yep. big old bass speakers, they want to turn up the bass, you know, that kind of stuff. And I, I, I mean, I don't. What would you say is uh, kind of the percentage out there in terms of sound guys? I mean. Um, I mean, I'd say 99% are dudes that are like really want to do a good job. Good. Yeah. Um, then, you know, there's like kind of the 1% that are just like, you know, ordained like from heaven, you know, that like they actually literally understand what's going on at any given moment and give you what you need. Like if, um, if you're like struggling, like if you're straining, you can't quite, you know, hear yourself well enough to like go for that high note. Right. To have a sound guy give you just a little more of yourself. Yeah. And it fixes it because yeah. they were paying mm-hmm. attention and doing like the job. Right. You right. Know, like, but the job with like the capital J. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, uh, it, but, um, but yeah, but then, you know, there is like a very like small percentage, although, when you're playing on like a four or five band bill, like yeah, right. that it mm-hmm. percentage can increase by the time <laughs> right. you yeah. play. You know, you never yeah. know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's a few guys out there that just like you know, it's it you probably not that they don't know what they're doing, but just that they don't care, right? Or they don't like what kind of music you play. There are some snobs that are like, I right. only like. Yeah, man. that's yeah, that's what, what I mean. I was always in bands that were too loud and like especially like the 
sort of more pop punk band I was in my experience this the other night when we played we were always too loud and uh, I think that it made the sound guys just be like I, I, I can't loud. do loud people what yeah. the hell am I going to do they're loud and yeah. so I I mean I've, I've played music for seven years and now on and off I've done it in the seven years since and I man five to ten percent of the shows I've played I could hear my voice right but yeah. that's just the nature of like a drummer it, but the thing the two big bands I've had were, were in each instance it was about hitting the drums as hard as you can playing guitar as loud as you can but you also know. your live experiences with your bands in particular Chris at least what I've seen have been about the chaos and yeah. kind of like uh, like emotional debauchery of the experience of the show oh yeah because yeah. yeah and that's why I grew up wanting those are the bands I wanted I was, we were, I was growing up when it was like the emo hardcore thing was happening right. and it was all about people playing in a way that they may not survive the show. Right. And yeah. that's what drew me And that me was in. the romantic mm-hmm. part. Yeah, that's the, what drew me experience. into live music was that yeah. like reckless, which is really funny because in the band that I was in, in our early 20s, we were, we were mostly, all of us were like overweight, but all of our favorite bands were those bands that were climbing the walls and like Dude. kicking. And <laughs> Have you ever seen that old video of uh, Fugazi playing in a gym? Yeah. And there's like, 15 people in the audience and Gee climbs into the basket. Basketball goal. Basketball yeah. goal. <laughs> yeah. And you think, dude, there's no way he's getting out of this. Yeah. And he somehow miraculously comes out of it and like, it's nothing. Yeah. That's such an exciting, <laughs> it blows my mind, man. That, yeah. That seeing that stuff and that yeah. generation was what, and it's to this day, it's funny because it, that, it, if I remember there was this moment where it felt like that stuff was going to get more and more extreme. Right. It was like, like the guy from Taking Back Sunday is like at Warp Tour hanging 50 feet in the air from the scaffolding, singing upside down with the microphone cord wrapped around his neck. And it's like, this can't keep going. And right. it did. It just stopped. People just stopped doing that stuff. Yeah, right. You couldn't keep going. You can't uh, one up the person before you. Right. Yeah. yeah. Which is always a shame. <laughs> <laughs> so, Slade, your live uh, show. Uh, I imagine it's not about how crazy and debaucherous can this live show be, but instead, I'm guessing, it's more about having a good rockin' sound and experience. So there's a delicate balance. Okay. Like, in my mind, a perfect show would be, like, total debauchery. Okay. Totally, like, we're killing ourselves a little bit more every night. Um for rock and roll. Right, yeah. Um, <laughs> for a cause. <laughs> which is yeah. a worthy cause, right. honestly, in my opinion. Like, rock and roll can save lives as much as it can <laughs> lay them to yeah. waste. Right, yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely. <laughs> um, so, uh, so, yeah, um, you know, obviously, like, we want it to sound good, but if on a, like, on the best night, you know, on, like, the really good night, you're doing both. Okay. Like, you're, you're, you're sounding pretty good you know it's it's the live thing so like it's not gonna every note isn't necessarily gonna be isn't necessarily gonna be right right yeah. <laughs> it's not necessarily gonna be played right um but as long as you know it, it's a uh it's a conversation between you know the band and the audience and like when everybody's like on the same page it is straight up magic oh man Tell absolutely yeah. and if it fails then who cares anyway because it's just it's probably cheap it's probably a five dollar show yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> yeah um what what do you think about this uh i i had to i struggled with as a young person um like our sound was our sound our thing was our thing and it was it was punk rock and we were there to just blast it at you and if you didn't like it fine whatever doesn't matter mm-hmm. to us like we weren't we weren't trying to entertain the people in the room that was not <laughs> why we were there yeah we, we were we had a thing that we brought with us 
we were going to just lay it out and then we were going to leave, you know, and that was our philosophy on it. And it led to a lot of situations where we probably could have adjusted what we were doing slightly and had a much more <laughs> engaging and positive experience yeah. in the room. Um, and we actually, one night we went back to this people's house after we played a show and, you know, this is loud punk. This is a, a band I was in called Eddie. It's loud punk stuff. And we went back, and it was a bunch of musicians that all went back to this house. And we had been the band that played that night, but any of their bands could have, you know, been equally or more awesome if they would have played. But um, we all went back, and then we played the same set where we were sitting in a room, and we had, like, brushes on the snare drum, and we didn't have the whole kit, and we had an acoustic guitar, and we had a bass. We had, you know, it was like a whole different kind of collection of instruments, mm-hmm. and we played the whole set, same set. The The experience that we had back at the house doing it that way was the, one of those magical experiences I've ever had. Funny. The experience that we had when we played the gig was just flat, like, non-accepting people mm-hmm. that were trying to talk and they wished we would <laughs> shut up so that they yeah, could talk the and drink their yeah. beers. So, so my question after all that rambling is to ask you, do you feel like that you guys uh, have that jazz kind of sensibility where you morph with the room and the experience of the room or do you more feel like we're bringing our sound, we're putting it out there and then you know people are going to like it or participate or not? It, it I mean, we're we're pretty jazzy cats. And, <laughs> <laughs> um, it it can depend like time to time. I mean, like you really like when it's all said and done, you're just like doing the thing that you do, right? Yeah. You know, there's not there's only so much you can do with with your song because uh, it's a song that you've written and it sounds a certain way. Um, but you know, if if it's if it's a um, if it's a crowd that's going to talk, then the crowd's going to talk. Yeah. And, and if you need to, like, adjust, like, how, you know, brash and, and in your face. You feel uh, like y'all do that? You like are. you tighten up some? I mean, I think just naturally. I don't, I don't think that, like, we kind mm-hmm. of – thank you. Um, I don't think that we kind of intentionally, um, like, you know, um, like – well, I will say, like we we will tailor sets to um, certain occasions. Okay, if we're playing with a band that's a little like like has a harder sound, we'll play our fast songs. Yeah, you know, we'll play them the way we play them. Right, like, right, right. You know, right. We'll, we'll we'll play. But we'll do a fast the set. Songs based on yeah, that. and if we're playing with like a band that's like more like kind of acoustic band, then we'll probably like throw a couple of ballads in there and yeah. do the more like clean stuff. Um, and if we're playing. Um, and I love playing outdoors. I love playing like really? outdoor shows. Yeah, it's like the best thing. It's got this like county fair kind of vibe. Right. It's yeah. just like it feels like Americana in like the classics. Sense. I always feel like outdoor shows never sound good they, when I'm on stage. No, they playing. they can sound pretty terrible. Yeah, yeah it's that's still just something about being outside. Yeah, that's the you. thing. The uh, when I talked about being in different bands and like the louder band, we anytime we ever played outside, it was a curse. And uh, and it would just sounded horrible. But I, I'm with Slade. Like, I mean, yeah, you, you, we're free to make bottle opening sounds on the show. Um, yeah, anytime like playing acoustic or uh, I don't even like Canyon Arrows are also pretty loud. So I can only say like playing sort of like alone with acoustic guitar. Um, yeah, there's something magical about playing outside. I remember outside, yeah. one time I played at my cousin's wedding. She got married in uh, Charleston, and it was like on you know it was it was the sun was going down. It was out on some kind of 
I don't know what to describe, but the beautiful low country, typical kind of thing for her wedding. And I, I, I just played all the songs for her wedding, and I was, it was so nice, and I was, it felt so good that I like found myself while playing, believe it or not, like forgetting that it was a wedding because I, I was very nervous about it. It was a wedding, yeah. And I wasn't just playing songs at the reception; I was playing her wedding. Oh wow! And she like picked these songs for me to learn, and so I was crazy nervous. But it was such a nice just a visceral experience that like I forgot it was a wedding while I was playing for a second. It was just this beautiful Well, well you played thing. what? You played uh, I Want to Be Sedated. You yeah. played uh, Lust for Life. Yeah, I you played some yeah. Cannibal Corpse. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. And the whole acoustic Nine Inch Nails, like 30 yeah. minute, the 30 minute acoustic yeah. Nine Inch Nails piece you did was beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful, by the way. So, because um, Slade, y'all just recorded an album. Yeah. Yeah, we just finished. Uh, we, we, where'd you record it? So we recorded with um, Mitch Easter at his studio in Kernersville, North Carolina. It's called Fidelatorium. Yes. I've heard that he's uh, got some some fame under his belt, right? He is. He has. Yeah, <laughs> he was in a band uh, called Let's Active in the '80s, uh, who, who uh, toured all around. There's a um, you know they were on MTV and. Yeah. Uh, and like when MTV was super cool, right. um, there was I saw a thing the other day. Somebody like like posted a um, a video on on Facebook, and it was an MTV clip like profile of his band mm. and his studio. Oh, that's cool. In I think it was in Winston at the time, and um, but uh, but yeah, he worked with like REM. Yeah, and, that's what it was. And yeah. uh, he he had a um, he's got like a platinum record at his studio for a record he did with uh, Suzanne Vega. Oh, wow. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's and, you know, there have been, yeah, I mean, countless people come through his studio That's and, great, and record. So he and definitely, so I'm sure, brought value to the table in terms of, um, does, he, does he act like a producer in the sense, that, does he have input into y'all's music and sound? Or? Well, I think he does um, produce and, um, like, you know, still, but I mean, where kind of like the industry's at is sort of like um, a lot of times it's kind of more of a, um, you know, the band like has like their vision or whatever, yeah. you know. And uh, and so there's not a lot of input unless you ask for it. Mm. But when you know, and, and I think it's like like also like sort of like the um, differentiation of like like roles too. You know, if we had hired him to a do producer, that. Right. Yeah. Um, there would be that. But um, anytime we asked, um, you know, anything, we got like the wisdom of the sages. Oh, sure, you know? yeah. I mean, like sure, we, we yeah. definitely like like that experience. So in other words, like, he did a good job okay. of not. Because some people with that type of experience and that type of, you know, notches on their belt might be over-inclined to, like, say, oh, dude, I'm going to tell you how to do it. And so Could he be. did a good job of not doing that, it sounds like. He is, like, the coolest, most, like, zen dude. I mean, he's exactly who you want in a studio right. with you, like, to not let you make all the mistakes right, that yeah. I would make. <laughs> yeah, that's and, great. Yeah. So that was a really positive experience. Oh, yeah. 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 Um, and we did it, um, we recorded to um, uh, two-inch tape. Okay. And, right. um, and which was intimidating. You so know? that's yeah. a short album. Sure. Uh, two inches. <laughs> <laughs> he must blaze through those songs. Well, you should see the girth of this album. Oh, I see. <laughs> I've heard that's what matters. That's what's important, yeah. yeah. So, uh, so, yeah, we, um, 
we recorded a tape and we thought that it was going to be like, you know, a little bit like, um, it was going to take some time yeah. to like knock this out. Cause we're just going to be taking these, taking them and taking them until yeah. we get it right. That would totally freak me out. Um, it's not though. It's like actually mm. easier in a lot of ways. Huh. Like you kind of let a lot of things go. Um, or you let yourself go in a way that's like, this is just, this is good. This sounds like us. Mm-hmm. Let's yeah. make this the take. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, and that's so cool that we get there in 2016. A lot of bands do that. I know, like the last Foo Fighters was totally on tape, mm-hmm. and like it, it's it's funny that we come back around to that because it when everything's digital, it does it pushes you to be like. And I think you've heard that in music. You've heard that weird perfection. That's oh, happened, you, you absolutely know? hear it every day. Yeah. 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 You know, that's interesting. All the stuff I did as a teenager was all on two-inch tape, man. And it was just, I didn't know that there was anything Mm -hmm. else, and there may not have been at the time. I mean, and then the idea that it became something that, oh, just delete that and uh, Mm -hmm. start over. Just, oh, just just zip back and delete that and we'll just over just make oh, another track yeah we'll make another track we'll keep that we'll throw that out you know yeah. we'll, we'll go we'll punch in there and do you know we'll punch in there, of course tape too but yeah or you get the course right and then you just reuse the course yeah we'll just course. Yeah. right yeah it's yeah. terrible yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you know you look back even back in the day of like elvis or something where everything was on tape but they were still doing that they were like singing again singing again mm-hmm. singing again singing again and they were taking pieces of different you know mm-hmm. tracks but that's what made that kind of the corporate recording. And then that kind of somehow got down into the small, where people in their living room are doing it that way. You know what I mean? Like oh, yeah. taking sections of songs versus just saying, dude, press the record button, mm-hmm. like yeah. Rolling Stone style, Ray Charles style, press the record button and let's record this thing. You know? Yeah, like Bob Dylan. I got a box set of, of Bob Dylan um, studio recordings. It was like the three albums he did from like 65 to 68, I think. And... um like, it's unbelievable the amount of songs that are first takes. Wow. And if there was, like, any punch in, they would just say, um, they would just get the band to, like, start playing again, and he'd, like, replay, like, his harmonica solo. Right. And, like, that would be the one. But, it, you know, there was no... They didn't, like, get out a metronome and, like, make right, them do... Right, you know, yeah. it was just like, you know, it'd be about right. Yeah. And it was exactly right, because right, that's the yeah. record that yeah. you've listened to and you never would have known. Yeah, I've heard this story about how he he came back from uh, overseas, and right when he got back, he uh, the the band room was all set up, and it was all set up to just be able to just turn on recording anytime they wanted to. You know, it was all set up, and he was like, hey, I, I wrote this song, and I want to show everybody, and it was, uh, uh, God, I can't believe I'm blanking out. Uh, the one that uh, Jimi Hendrix record, uh, covered, of course. No, the other one um, that's considered one of the greatest recordings like Rolling of all Stone? time. Like a Rolling Stone. Yeah. So um, he just got off the plane, came back. And this is the story I heard, and I don't know if it's what if it's urban legend, but it was like, hey, guys, I want to show you this song. And they just like turned everything on, and he kind of showed it to him, showed it to him, showed it to him. And he was like, let's just play through it. You know, We'll run through the verse a few times. I'll let you all know when we're going to change. Turned the record button on and recorded mm-hmm. what is considered you know, mm-hmm. one of the top recordings of all time. Yeah. Which is crazy, yeah. and it was off the cuff. Yeah. But th- and that's the thing, though. It seems like, and someone like Dylan would use this a lot, uh, there's a weird benefit to it seems like unlikely that you'd ever be able to hastily make something great. And, and, and in some ways, there's an argument that that's true. You know, It, it seems like you either, 
either you're Stanley Kubrick or you're Mike would have to give me an example of a filmmaker that just like you're making mumblecore. Like it, it, it's like either you, you when things they either take on value because you start to build this castle piece by piece, right? Or they give you a glimpse in the true energy of creation and and just impulse and you know. No, I hear you. Well, and when, at- when, when the the most you can suck is when you're dead in between the two. Or you, or you, mm-hmm. yeah. Or you have the experience like the Who. Where so many people have an opinion of like, now why is this band famous again, man? Yeah. It's like their radio songs that are like yeah. not that, but but they don't have an appreciation for it. Of course, I never saw the Who live, but what was apparently you know a like experiencing godlike experience to see the Who live, you know, and that mm-hmm. just can't be captured when you sit down and work with a producer and meticulously kind of create an album. So 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 if we turn this back on this kind of uh, mirror on Amigo or, or this light on Amigo and ask the question, I mean, do you feel like you have a, a powerful emotional thing that happens each time you play and the purpose of recording is to capture that best you can? Or do you feel like you're going into the mixing booth with Dr. Dre and you're going to mix up <laughs> and make something awesome in the studio? Um, so yeah, we, we have, it's, it's about the core, like the live humans playing with humans and using science to, uh, (laughs) to help, you know, in the, in the way that it can. I mean, that's, that's why, um, you know, not like taking a non perfectionist approach, taking a non digital approach, even though there's a lot of things that you can still perfect you know yeah. there's a lot of trickery that goes on you know? right um but uh but just like saying all right we're gonna do what we do let's roll yeah and see what happens and um and so like that's kind of the approach but i will say that there was one song that we have we still haven't played it live it was it's a it's a ballad and it's um you know, it's a deeply personal piece of art. And, uh, and so, but we had never played it for anybody and, uh, and we knew we kind of had a, wanted a sound. So we got like our friend Jay to come in and he recorded, um, Wurlitzer electric piano and the three of us. And we started rolling and we listened back to the first take because it felt really good. We listened back to the first take and we all like collectively got chills. Wow. Very cool. First time putting this thing down, and it was like just such a a. Um, I've never felt it before. Yeah, playing music like like making a um, a song that sort of like came to life um, in spite of itself. Right. Like, and and even that would be on the side of the spectrum of capturing experience because really what y'all did was create an experience in the studio mm-hmm. right there. That if someone would have been in the room, they'd have been like. Oh my God, that was awesome! Yeah, yeah, yeah. We but, all were. We were like on the verge of tears. Like yeah. it was, it was weird. It was not expected. Well, that's great that you were able to create that experience in the studio with the with the tape rolling because then you proved to yourself that it actually happened. Versus the ones that I tend to create, and then the next morning we're like, "Is there a tape of that?" And we're like, "Oh my God, <laughs> is that what we sounded like?" <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I will say it was it was. I think it's going to end up being take five. That was okay, the there you go. There you go. Yeah. And then you call the album Take Five. Take five. <laughs> yeah. Smoke them if you got them. <laughs> Parenthetically. 
<laughs> that's written out in word parenthetically. Parenthes- yeah. It says parenthetically. Okay, parenthetically. <laughs> yeah. In parentheses. In parentheses. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so Slade, um, let's hit the uh, public here. Uh, we, I would hate for any of our, our three listeners, no matter where they might be in uh, Rock Hill, um, or in the county at the time that they listen to this podcast. <laughs> or wherever our parents oh, are. Or really, wherever their parents are driving them at the yeah. time. If it's after school or whatever it might be. Where their parents are driving them, putting on their favorite podcast. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> wherever these listeners may be, um, I would hate for them not to know um, the kind of the pertinence. So let's, you got music on Spotify, Amigo. You got uh, music on iTunes. You just recorded a new album. When's that coming out? It will definitely be in the year 2017. Nice. Yeah, it won't be out like soon, soon, but you know, as these things go, relatively soon. Yeah. Chris, you should edit the year 2017 to be yeah. something really far away. I should, yeah. 28, yeah. like 2028. <laughs> yeah, better like obviously be my. You want me to just give you some numbers? <laughs> yeah. 94. <laughs> You can mix these together. 18. <laughs> 18. <laughs> yeah, different tones and edges. 18. Huh? <laughs> um, and uh, you've got uh, a show you're playing tomorrow in Columbia, which will already have passed when this podcast comes out. Where are you guys um, playing? The Infinite Room. Oh, oh that's yeah. right. At yeah, the Taps Art Center. It's, he it's went downtown. on and on it's about like it earlier. Yeah. I think it's on Main Street. That's the nature of the Infinite Room. It escaped from my brain. Yeah. I couldn't hold it. <laughs> he went on about it forever. I know. <laughs> Literally forever. Uh, forever and ever. Um, what about in uh, a little farther out in August? Um, so August, we've got uh, we're playing at the the U.S. National Whitewater Center um, on uh, August twentieth. Are they going to get it filled back up after the? I hope so. Earwig. It's super fun. Yeah, I went, no, I went there awesome. for a um, a bachelor party of all things. Well, like, yeah, we went, well, that was what he wanted to do for the bachelor party, and we went whitewater rafting. And then we With did strippers? the zip line. Oh, cool. oh yeah, there were strippers. Yeah, <laughs> was there a stripper yeah, pole? That's and, probably uh, where the earwig came from. <laughs> yeah. Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> no offense to all the strippers. Out yeah, there. or the ear. We have a huge stripper listening yeah. population. Or we also have a huge brain eating amoeba population. <laughs> yeah. We don't want to be rude to them. Yeah. The amoeba, the amoebae. Um, okay. <laughs> So, you have a series of shows all the way through October. Yeah, but uh, a Rock Hill show. Oh, okay. Yeah. We are playing, I think it's uh, August 27th. Okay. At the uh, Legal Remedy. Oh, very awesome. Cool. I didn't know yeah. you were band. Yeah, it's like their second anniversary. Oh, okay. And they're having bands. Dude, wow, that's awesome. We're playing, it's full bands. It's like, it's, yeah. Good, because, you know, I'll say there's, if there's one thing, uh, and we talk all the time about how much we love Mike Gentry in the courtroom and we do but it seems like it's like if really good music happens in Rock Hill it's always at the courtroom yeah we need more places yeah mm-hmm. yeah it needs to be I saw, it's awesome you guys are playing at Legal Remedy and stuff yeah. well speaking of Mike he's been doing like an acoustic series lately I know he's done it mm-hmm. oh, at yeah, the bookstore yeah. um, I'm playing at Amelie's next Friday, what? I think. Just with, you uh, and a with, guitar? It's me, yeah, uh, with Rachel Kate is okay. coming from Nashville. Wow. Oh, my gosh. And um, and Nick Holman Man, is uh, going to be his play. We'll be upstairs. Mm-hmm. What, what time? You. What time? <laughs> 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 what time on Friday? Uh, it'll probably start around 8 or 9, I would think, okay. like 8 or 9. Well, that, like that's this normal. Friday, so again, this podcast will be... Uh, no, it's like following week. Oh, good, perfect, so, perfect. So the, yeah, the so we should, whatever next Friday absolutely. is. Okay, cool. Um, 
All right, good. So, and then you have a, a whole series of shows you were mentioning, and you're putting together a tour for next year. I know you are just just in the beginnings of kind mm-hmm. of going through that. It, it, will that be um, southeast? Will it be eastern seaboard? Will it we'll be, be everywhere? The whole nation. We are literally going to do a U.S. tour next year in America. It has been my <laughs> dream since we started this band. That's awesome. And there is no. I've already quit my job. Like there, <laughs> there is nothing. Yeah. Uh, that will uh, will stop us. Are you going to cross the Trump wall? We're, I mean, if we have to, <laughs> we're going to play on the Trump. I, I hope <laughs> yeah. not. God forbid. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I will say that America is the greatest nation in the country. <laughs> um, but and I'm glad you're going to get to be able to tour it. Um, so that so you're going to go. So I, I've done uh, a little bit of the Eastern Seaboard. One time we made it to Chicago, but it was like let's just drive real far, real fast, and get to Chicago, <laughs> and we can call it a Midwestern tour. Nice. Yeah, you, know? you, you can. Yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> but you um, you are going to try to plug them in along the way. I mean, you're talking about a lot of shows here. Yeah, we've been from here to like Austin, Texas and from like like St. Augustine, Florida to like Ooh. New York City and like that's that's been it's been like exclusively east coast and like deep south. Right. And um and which is all of those places are super fun. Yeah, right. right. <laughs> and and so um we'll definitely be doing that more too. We'll have some like more region specific stuff, but um if it is the last thing I do and it kills me. We're doing like the entire good. US. Yeah. Um, Very good cool. for you. Yeah. 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 I, we always killed it in the uh, Greenville, Charlotte, Columbia Triangle. Yeah. <laughs> Blew it up. <laughs> <laughs> hey, actually, that's pretty cool, though. Um, well, man, congratulations. Um, you know, it sounds like you're, you're, you're home again, which is a good thing. Uh, back in the area, Clover, this area, and all that. You're, um, uh, yeah, I'm never leaving again. I hear you. Yeah, man. this is home. You're uh, uh, back into the freelancing world, which is your preference in the way to work, it sounds like. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And you have some opportunities to travel and have experiences therein. Mm-hmm. Um, you, uh, you have your band, Amigo. You were in another band, Motel Glory, for a while, but uh, you, you're taking a break with that so you can focus on Amigo. Is that what? Yeah, Motel Glory is the greatest band in the world <laughs> and i was i was lucky to be a part of it because it was my favorite band in the world when chris left <laughs> After and they, chris they left. asked me to join and uh and and so i jumped at the chance but um but yeah i i have realized about myself that i have like only the energy to give all of my energy to right. <laughs> one band right and um and so, uh, so yeah, I, I am not. But they sally be. forth. I'm going to say, yeah. yeah, there's nothing like being in a band with Stan Gibson. That's yeah. true. You'll never be in another band <laughs> with the Stan Gibson. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he is totally the man. Um, I can relate. Uh, I was in Cannons with Stan. and uh, There is no louder drummer that exists <laughs> right, exactly. yeah. in the world. There you go. And no more, is, honestly. no p- raw power. I hope you listen to the show. And, and maybe no more... Entertaining human to be right, around. Yeah. Stan Gibson. Yeah, yeah. Let's Gosh, put some good Smiths old on the Stan soundtrack. Gibson. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> listen. Um, okay, cool, man. Well, we wish you all the best with your national tour. I know it's it's a lifelong dream of yours. You, you seem to be designing your life to be what you want it to be, and so good for you. Thank you. Yeah, man. That's the only way to live. That's right. 
Yeah, whatever that might look like, right? When I was in high school, there was a T-shirt that said, No Fear. Oh, gosh. And I took... I t- <laughs> when, when, I, when I was in high school, there was a shirt that said, Big Johnson. <laughs> and I've lived by that ever since. And I've lived by that ever since. <laughs> Kids don't even wear T-shirts anymore. No, man. They don't even wear T-shirts. They just have, like... Future suits. <laughs> They're all reflective. They're excellent to yeah. each other. Let's put this in a time capsule. Yeah. And release it in 2098. Whoa. 98? In the future. 99. 90, 90, yeah. 67? 20, 90, 90, 90. <laughs> Sunday. Sunday. Power. Um... Well, man, congratulations to you, Slade. It's been a pleasure to have you on the podcast. Thank and, you very um, much. Chris, uh, any, any last words for our man, Slade, here? You know what, Slade? Dance like nobody's <laughs> looking. <laughs> meme, meme like nobody's watching. Yeah, meme like nobody's watching. <laughs> and and spay, spay and neuter your pets. Yeah, right. And <laughs> My cat, Actually, yeah. my cat Kika, is getting spayed uh, on the fifteenth. Okay, so yeah, yeah she can't pretty, wait. That's topical. Oh she man, <laughs> she's <laughs> she's done. She's so she done. She is. You know what? Yeah, she's done. She is ready. <laughs> <laughs> you, you started making your Donald Trump impression. Face. Yeah, you know what? I'm sorry. Yeah, she's ready. I've heard a lot of people have said that she's ready. It's disgusting. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm not the only one who said it. <laughs> well, here's to your cat, and uh, we'll we'll end with uh, <laughs> we'll end with uh, uh, a joke or a one-liner or a quip by uh, Silent Micah. 